I felt like the Lord has this scripture for somebody here. So uh, in 1 Peter <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 6, this is a message translation. It says, so be content with who you are and don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. I just believe that's for somebody. You can write that scripture down, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Just, I, I just feel like that I need to say this before I, I go into our, to the message today. Um, because I, I hear things through the grapevine and, you know, so much. And so, um, but I want everybody to hear this, you know, because... I know for the last probably four or five years, I've been really preaching grace pretty strong, and some people like it, some people don't. Some people think that it's, well, I won't tell you what some people think, but um, the bottom line is this. Are you ready for this? I believe if you have a revelation of the grace of God, of how much he loves you, it will change your life. Instead of trying to become a better person, instead of trying to treat your spouse better, instead of trying to, to love people because you're obligated. I'm glad God is not obligated to love me or he has to love me. You know, well, you're in my family now. Now I got to love you. <laughs> Isn't that joyful? But you know what? This is what some people think about Jesus. This is what some people think about God. They think that, you know, he has to love me or if I do right, he loves me. This is the problem with that. Are you ready? You will take that same image if you think this is how God thinks about you. You will take that same mentality and think that way towards other people. That's huge. If you think that you have to measure up to God... Just like that scripture in 1 Peter, you think you'll have to measure up to people. Mm. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to measure up to God. Let me say it another way. You can't measure up to God. <laughs> How about that? Now, did you get that one? I'm just doing my best to measure up to God. You ain't going to ever get there. So I quit trying to measure up. I look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, and he measures up pretty good. I said he measures up pretty good. And so if you can get a revelation of the grace of God, and, and listen, I know some of you are like me. Five years ago, I thought, I, I don't need it. I, I know, I understand grace. <laughs> Five years later, I knew nothing about grace with a capital N. I knew nothing. And I've been a pastor for a long time. I've been saved since I was seven years old. So I know a lot about religion and how to measure up and what to do to, to be, try to be a better person and, and fail miserably. Do you realize, I believe that's why the majority of people who believe in God don't come to church now. It's because they know they can't live that kind of life. And I want to go to every one of them in Pueblo and go, neither can I. Yes. Neither can I. But God still loves me and accepts me and has brought me into his family anyway. If we can get that message out to get people to rethink God, you need to rethink God. I'm telling you, it'll change our city. 
There's enough people here, enough people watching that we can change our cities that we live in. We can change our family. And I know a lot of people are trying to change their family. I've been working on my husband for 20 years. How's that been working for you? Ow. Let me just tell you this. It's not your job to change people. Even your kids. Mamas and daddies. I'm telling you, you start believing in the grace of God and the love of God transforms more by accident than what you could ever do. What you could ever do. So that's why I have this burning desire for this message that some of you may think that uh, it's overkill or you don't quite agree with it or, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, there's been people that say things, you know, to me, you know, sarcastically. I just smile and say, love you. <laughs> Too bad you don't have as much freedom as me. Because I've got more freedom today, and I'm not all the way there by any stretch of the imagination. But I do know one thing. Nothing can separate me from my father. I said nothing. No action, no no amount of anything. And I know people think, well, so you could just live anyway? I can live any way I want. I can go to the bar right after church and just go get smashed. I can go to the drug places. I can get drugs. I can do anything. I can go to the prostitute. I can do anything I want. I just don't have a want to. But if there's any sin going on in my life, when I, the greater revelation and the truth that I have of him the greater that pull has on me. But the more I concentrate on the sin, the more pull it has on me. The church hasn't gotten a revelation of that. So we focus on sin and what you shouldn't be doing and you better not be doing it and bless God you are. And if you are doing it, oh, you scum. My father never looks at me as scum. For, I mean, even because we, we categorize sin. Oh, that's, he did the biggie. Oh, he did the biggie. Well, let me just say this. There's no biggies in God. Your little white lie is a sin. Period. And when you know to do good and don't do it, that's a sin. So nobody's escaping here, including moi. Nobody's escaping that. So how do we escape? How do we that? Thanks be to God, Paul said. It's because of Jesus Christ that has freed me from the power of sin and death. And that's why I have victory today. Because if I focus on him and what he has done, it makes me free from anything that Mike could do or is not doing. Amen. It's an identity problem that the church has. Okay, today's message we're going to talk about worry. Worry. How I many just, first of all, I mean, you know, when people just say, you need to stop worrying, that really never helped me. Does it help you? You need to stop it. That's kind of like a bowl of ice cream sitting in front of you. You go, don't eat it. Uh, what? That just doesn't make sense. That would be a sin. That would be a sin. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, I just know that. Um, 
when we worry, it affects your health. It affects everything in your life. It affects your relationships. So it's a big deal. So we're going to tackle this today. And I believe when the service is over, you're going to have a, a better grip on not worrying. Can we just welcome everybody that's watching online? I almost forgot. We welcome everybody. All right. Hallelujah. We have to trust in someone instead of something. We have to trust in someone instead of people. We have to trust in Jesus. We have to trust in him. So in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says this, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is what this is saying. When you look at Jesus, you're looking into a mirror. And what happens when you look into a mirror? You see, you don't see me, you see yourself. It's not a trick question. <laughs> when you look into a mirror, you see your lovely, beautiful face. You see yourself. What God is saying, when you look into Jesus, you're looking into a mirror. And the more you understand that and see that, that will take you from the glory that is in you to a higher glory, and it will transform and change your life just by knowing who you are and what you see. The problem is we've been taught to see the ugly. We've been taught to see our misfit self, our issue self, our faults and our failures, and we concentrate on that. And as long as you concentrate on that, that's what you will see. That scripture says you're looking at the wrong thing. It says you're looking at the wrong thing. And if you look at the right thing, it takes you from glory to glory to glory. It will transform your life into who you truly are, who you truly are. But Jesus has told his disciples, he says in the word to all of us, he says, I don't want you to worry. Now, if you just stop and take a moment to think about that, you think like, <laughs> what? Don't you really, you don't want me to worry? Because a lot of people think, well, if I don't worry, that means I don't care. Have you heard that? You know, well, you're not worried about me, are you? No, you just don't care. Can I just tell you, this is a little pastoral secret. I'm not worried about you guys. I don't, I don't worry about, are they getting good jobs? Are they being parent? I don't lay awake at night worried about you all. I know some of you feel like, oh. But God doesn't want you to worry about yourself, about your family, about your job, about your 401K or the lack of it. God doesn't want you to worry. There's an old Swedish proverb that says this, worry gives a small thing a big shadow. You know, a little bitty thing, but it makes it a big shadow. Worry gives a small thing a big shadow. I heard one minister say this, the shadow of a dog never bit anybody. The shadow of a dog never bit anybody. It's just a shadow. But worry does exactly that. It gives something very small, and it makes it really, really big. In Philippians chapter 4, it talks about, 
about how that we shouldn't worry and what to do about it. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you, and the God of peace will be with you all, with you in all things. Some of the strongest rebukes of Jesus to people were when they were in fear and worry. He rebuked them sharply. And I believe he knew why or how destructive it is to our life. Because we think that it's okay to worry. I had a, a friend when I was taking the boys to 4-H years ago. They were in archery. And this one guy, one of the coaches, he was out for quite a while. And he came back. I said, man, we missed you. Where you been? He said, well, my wife about died. And I went, what in the world happened? He said, I said, what was wrong with her? And he said this. She was some kind of um, nurse-type, medical-type, in the medical field. And uh, she was just so worried about everything in life, with her family, with her job. And, and her body started shutting down. I mean, literally, she was in ICU. And the, the bottom line of the diagnosis was this. You are worried and it's destroying your health. It put her in the ICU. Intensive care, that's what that stands for. Put her in that from worried. So Jesus knows that about people. And so for your good and my benefit, he's saying, don't worry. That just seems, does that just seem like that's almost too big? You know, and there's some people you hear this. I mean, I came from a strong line of warriors, professional warriors. My grandmother and my mother and my sisters, my family, you know, they were just, they were champions at worrying. Well, you've got some things to, to, to break, amen? But uh, here's one definition of, of worry. I'm not for sure where I got this because it's been in my notes for a long, long time. It, it says this, to seize by the throat with the teeth and shake or mangle. Now get a picture. This is what worry does to you and to me. I just picture a lion grabbing me by the throat and lifting me up and just shaking the fire out of me. That's a picture of worry. You got a good picture of that in your mind? That's a picture of worry. And this is what Jesus does not want you and me worrying about. Well, Pastor, how about just certain big things, you know, like kids? You're supposed to worry about kids. No. How about my husband who's in the military? No. How about my spouse who's in prison? No. How about I'm laid off, I don't have a job? No. Fill in the blank. The answer's still going to be no. We're not supposed to worry about anything. The Lord's going to help us today, all right? Worry, if you do worry. Let's look on the, uh, the, the positive side of worry. Can worry 
change your life? Can worry make your, you know, people say, well, you don't know my health situation. Can worry make your health better? Actually, the doctors and neurologists and people who study the body, they know that worry actually decreases your health and can even shorten your lifespan. Shorten your lifespan. Worry can do that. Uh, Can worry add value to your life? Can it make your children more safe if you worry? Can it make your, your finances better if you worry about them? Worry can't do any of that, can it? And this is why Jesus said, do not worry. King James Version, thou shalt not worry. Jesus said this about worries. He says, you're always looking to the future. Worries look to tomorrow. Worries look toward tomorrow. Do you trust in God? Or are you going to trust in your worries? It comes down to a trust issue. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. If you are really having problems with worry, I would say take note of where we're reading at today. And you should read this every day when that worry just overwhelms you. And say, no, I'm not going to worry about this because of this. Verse 25 says this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Do you need a Greek translation for that? Do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Now, the first century uh, believers back then, that was the main thing. That was the main thing. They didn't have 401Ks. They didn't have, oh, I need transportation. It was your feet. They didn't have to be concerned about anything. The most important things to them was just making sure they got food every day making sure they had clothes every day. So Jesus hit them head on. Do not worry about the most important thing that you can think of in your life. And at that particular time, Jesus was saying, don't worry about your food. Don't worry about what your clothes. 26 says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Today, we don't really worry about food. We do not worry about clothing. I know you may think, oh, I've got to get a dress for this, or I need jeans with holes in them. (laughs) I do, but I don't. First of all, I don't want you to see my glow-in-the-dark legs through that. It's not that funny. But anyway, uh, they do glow in the dark. Turn the light off. Melly says, turn the light off. It is off. Anyway, they've never seen the light of sunshine. We're going to keep it that way, and you should thank me. But anyway, your life is more than what you worry about. We don't worry about food. We don't worry about that, but we do may worry about our children. We do may worry about our job, or if you don't have a job, or we worry about, you know, if you're single, am I ever going to find the right one? Or maybe you found the right one, and you think, Lord Jesus, help me. 
make this the right. No, we worry about the finances. We worry about our health. We worry about our parents' health. We worry. There's so many different things. You know, your car's been acting up. Oh, I've got to worry. This is the only transportation I have. But let me just say this. Do you realize most people in America drive home from work and pull pull their car into a garage and go and sit down in front of a large screen TV? I'm just saying. I know you may not, but the majority of people have it pretty good in America. And the majority of people worry more than other nations of the world because we take more drugs for our thought life than anybody on the planet. Something's wrong with that picture. But we're fixing it. Verse 25, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I mean, I'm sure Jesus was sitting under the tree teaching this, and a flock of birds just flew up. And so he said, see those birds right there? They don't sow. They don't have a garden. They don't have a garden. They don't sow, and yet they eat every day. They're taken care of every day. And he says, who does that? He says, your heavenly father takes care of that. In other words, he's saying, if you can look at nature and see how God has taken care of so many awesome things in nature, and then he turns around and says, aren't you more valuable than they are? He's asking them the question, are you more valuable than the birds? He goes on to say, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to a stature. In other words, can you change your body by worrying? I mean, if I could, I mean, I, I'd worry to be six inches taller. Four inches. You want me to be four inches taller? Is that what you're saying? Because it ain't going to happen. Okay, moving right along. Which of you can worry about changing your body? Nothing, no. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, verse 29, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, God was saying, you see these beautiful flowers that come up and a few weeks later they're gone? I mean, springtime's over in in the Rockies. Winter's still here, but springtime is over. But... (laughs) These flowers, man, they, they don't last very long at all. And some of them didn't last a, hardly at all because of our weird weather. But he said, God says, I put all these flowers on the planet and they're go- gone just like that. But he says, Solomon and all of his glory and all of his pompous, I mean, he was just, man, he had some stuff going on. He said, he was not clothed as much as I take care of nature even. It's today and boom, it's gone. God is trying to get a point across. Are you getting it? He said, verse 30, Now, if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? In other words, won't he take care of your kids? Won't he take care of your job? Won't he take care of your spouse? Fill in the blank, whatever it is. Won't he take care of it? He's asking you. He's expecting the right response. 
He says, oh, you of little faith. One theologian said this. He said that, that's a two-word Greek word phrase there, and it's never, again, used in the New Testament. And Matthew was trying to get this across, and I, I don't think our translators translated it as well as, as what it is in the original Greek. Because in the original Greek, he's basically saying this. He's saying, you little faithers, you. He was making a joke. He's being kind of sarcastic, joking, kind of like my preaching a lot. You know, just being, you know, sarcastically saying, you little faithers, you. You see, I believe Jesus was a lot more fun than what religion has cut him out to be. I believe people followed him because they liked him. He was fun to be around. I don't think he's a God, you're a heavenly father. I don't think he looked like a lot of Christians, you know. Just want you to know we're going to just live for God and, and do things right around here. Man, get away from me. My father's not like that. I don't believe Jesus was like that. And I don't believe he would have had a bunch of people following him if he was uh, presented the way the church presents him today. I'm just saying. I believe the church, including myself, and the church around the world has misrepresented our father. He's been misrepresented Horribly, or I believe if he was represented in a better way, churches throughout America would be packed. Churches around the world would be packed. I believe people would be happy about God. I believe people, and not serving him because of a have to. They just love the Father. They just love the Father. But people don't think that way. We've misrepresented the Father. We think that he, if you get out of line, he will kill you. He'll do this to you. He'll do that to you. He has done that. He's doing this. And he, you know, yeah, he's big into putting sickness on people. He's big into that. We've misrepresented him. I don't know all the answers and I can't explain any, all what goes on, but I do know one thing. He is good. He is good and he is always good. He will always be good to you and to me. He will always be good. So we need to represent him in a better way than what we have. And people say, well, what about, you're already going down the wrong road. I just know that God, I, I was trying to explain to God one time. <laughs> True, I was trying to explain to him because I wanted to make sure he understood. I said, God, you know, if I portray that you just look at me as like a little child, people are going to think, well, children grow up and they need discipline and they need correction and they need this. And the Lord says, but that's not how I look at you. I don't look at you as someone who needs correcting, someone who needs discipline and somebody who needs to be spanked. I look to you as my little child Unless you enter into the kingdom and think like that as a child, you'll not benefit of how I truly love you. Did you hear that? Did you get it? I mean, I don't look at my little Emmett. He's three years old. I don't look at him and say, if you don't start speaking better English, if 
If you, if you don't quit pottying in your pants, if you don't, if you, Poppy is, I'm done with you. You understand? I'm done. What kind of grandfather would I be? What kind of parent would you be? No, we don't think that way. But yet we think that way about our father. I got to finish. I don't know how I lost time. He says, verse 31, therefore do not worry saying, what, what are we going to eat? How are we going to get our 401k? How are we going to take care of our kids better? Verse 32, for after all these things the Gentiles seek. In other words, people who don't know God at all don't follow God. That's what the, he means by Gentiles. He said, that's how they do. But he sits there and says, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. God knows. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about, fill in the blank. Tomorrow means anything that you're worrying about. What's tomorrow? Do not worry about your children. Do not worry about your job. Do not worry about your health. But it's been going down, Pastor. I'm just really, do not worry about it. Fill in the blank. That's what tomorrow means. Whatever you fill that in, but that's tomorrow. So when you start to worry about stuff like that, you just need to get that phrase in your mind. I'm not worrying about tomorrow. Not worrying about tomorrow. Because see, worry is, means that you're putting your trust in something outside of Jesus. That's what worry means. Through this story, he's trying to convey the message that, listen, I've got this. I take care of the birds. I take care of nature. And you're much more valuable. You're the most precious thing. I sent my only begotten son for you, not for the birds. I sent my son for all of mankind. So you're the most valuable thing to me. So I will take care of you. You just need not to worry about it. So you can put your trust in your worry or you can put your trust in your father. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Because I used to think seeking the kingdom, man, I got to seek the kingdom. Oh, I got to, we want to be a bunch of seekers around here. We're going to seek the kingdom. We are seekers. What in the world does that mean? Well, you know, you just need to pray more, worship more. Get those hands up and worship more. Just press in, press into worship. I've heard that phrase. I've probably said that phrase. We got to press into worship. What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, you go up to somebody, let's press into worship. Okay. How do you do that? You know, when you stretch, just really stretch. I'm really pressing in. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and these things. These things to be added. Let me just tell you this. The kingdom of God is within you. Do you know how difficult it is to seek something that you already got? That's like this, this vest. I got this new vest. It's like, I got to seek this vest. Somebody say, it, it's on you. It's not too difficult to seek, is it? That's the kingdom of God. It's in you. You really don't have to do much seeking if you know where it's at. The problem with the church is we've just been trying to get it out there. And come, Lord Jesus, just come. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, just pour out your power. And that's, that's, that's what every angel and body's doing in heaven. I mean, we're inside of you. We do, and you're saying, come. Come, Holy Ghost. Come, Spirit. Come, Father. Oh, pour out your spirit. I'm sorry, but that's just garbage, USA. 
The kingdom of God is within you and me. It's within you. I don't really have to do much seeking if I realize that it's in me. If I realize it's in me, then I'm not like the Gentiles. I'm like the children of the Most High, which says, I don't have to worry about anything because my Father's inside of me. This is the temple of Almighty God. He's going to make everything right. He's going to take care of me. He'll get in the storm. It doesn't mean there's not going to be storms, but through the storms, I'm going to come out. I'm going to come out on the other side. I trust my Father. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. He's going to take good care of me. He's going to take care of my children. He's going to take care of my kids. I used to worry about my kids. I used to pray. As soon as they were born, all three of my kids, when they were born, for years, I used to pray for their, for their mate. Lord, help them to get a good, good, oh, just, you know, for my daughter. Help her to get a good husband. I got Nathan. Lord, help me, you know, help them to get, now my two boys, you know, they're not married, so I've prayed, oh, God, help, oh, help them. Oh, Lord, help them. You go into their bedroom, you go, oh, Jesus, help us. My wife would only even go into their bedroom. She says, no, I'm, I'm not going in there. Unless I have a hazmat suit. But then finally the Lord says, so you, you think that you love them more than I do? So you don't think I'm going to take good care of them? You can't trust me with your kids. Is that what you're saying? Man, I quit that real quick. Now I just say, thank you, Father, for taking care of my kids. Thank you, Lord, that you've got them. Let's stand. Trust. Confidence in him. Amen. I just got started. I really didn't dig into much about the worry, but the gist of the story is this, all right? Just when you're tempted to worry, tomorrow morning, tonight, on your way home, just think about this story in Matthew and just start, let that come out of your mouth. I refuse to worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to make something little become a big shadow to me. I refuse to allow that. I just trust you, God. You may have to say that a hundred times. But get the Bible out and just read that story and go, that's me. Jesus said, don't worry. So you know what? I refuse to worry. I refuse to worry. I'm not going to worry about my college tuition. How am I going to pay for this? You lose your job. How are you going to pay for your house? How am I going to do this? Don't go there. Just say, God, I thank you. I thank you for taking care of me. You take care of the birds. I'm a lot more valuable than the birds. 